Now it's time for Inspirational Women, and we're going to meet Kelly Hargrave, an author of nonfiction and novelty children's books that she wants to have inspire kids to look around at their world with eyes of discovery. Kelly's newest book is published by National Geographic Kids, and it's Can't Get Enough Shark Stuff. So get ready for a very exciting deep sea adventure. Kelly Hargrave, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk all about sharks. Yes, sharks is so exciting. Well, maybe not for me personally, but the I'm not the the audience for this wonderful new book from National Geographic on the subject of sharks and and it is phenomenal can't get enough shark stuff. It really is so much fun. And you know, when I was thinking sharks, I thought, well, Kelly must live somewhere, you know, along the ocean edges, you know, somewhere where there's lots of water. But oh, no, you don't. <laughs> That's correct. I, I live somewhere where I need to drink lots of water. I actually, <laughs> I live in Colorado. So I am in a landlocked state. But I was in Florida actually for a few years, and I did grow up um, in Virginia. So definitely had plenty of beach trips to the coast of Virginia and North Carolina growing up. But yes, Colorado, I'm an avid hiker and explorer, and I just love being out here in the state. Um, and as you probably know, there's lots of cool animals out here too, and I study all sorts of cool animals. So it's a cool place to be, but sharks, sharks is definitely a fun one to dive into. <laughs> dive into. Very good. <laughs> Got you there. <laughs> you did. And we find fun humor stuff going on throughout this book. And and that's the thing. You are a writer and you obviously have a, a leaning towards writing about nature, about animals, creatures of, of all sorts. Often, you know, as I was looking at your book list, there's the soft cuddly types, but no, here we are with some real tough ones. It's, you know, what we think of as scary with sharks. And uh, really, do you think of them as being scary? Gosh, well, you know, there's kind of that classic kind of couple of sharks that you picture in your head when you think of scary, right? Um, but what we've found with sharks is that there's over 500 species of sharks. So they're so vast, you know, they go from being as small as like a number two pencil to being as large as, you know, a whale shark, which is can be over 40 feet long. And they're all so different from each other. So I think it's all relative, you know, it depends on the type of shark you're thinking about. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a creative realm. When I think about um, some of the stuff that we've seen in the media, yes, we like to see the big teeth. That's the stuff that draws us in. It's something that looks so unnatural to what we see in our everyday lives. You know, we're, we're land creatures. So seeing all these things that exist underwater and this completely different world under there, I think the mystery kind of adds to that, you know, that fearsomeness of, of sharks. So I'm going to share a little story here from a trip okay. to Disney World uh, a long time ago. Actually, it was back in the early 90s. And I remember going with my family to um, the the tanks for the dolphins and and whatever else they were showing at the time. I can't quite remember that. But the kind of the leading opening line was, uh, who is the the worst predator in the ocean? And of course, what came to mind? Sharks. Wrong. Who is the greatest predator? People. Per 
human beings. And that was just so startling to me. But, you know, I think it then put sharks in a whole different view for me. Like, okay, they're not so, they are scary, but they're not as all the badness that we think. Yes, yes, I agree. You know, it is it is kind of sad when you think about it. We are the greatest predator. There, there are millions and millions of sharks that are killed every single year. And when you put that into perspective of, oh, my gosh, you know, could I get attacked by a shark if I go into the ocean? There are only a couple of hundred alleged shark, attack, shark attacks that happen every single year. And only a few of those end up in death. So it's really just one of those things where we barely, very rarely encounter them. And when you think about the number that exists out in the ocean, you know, they're way more you know, spread out in their own different environments, you know, kind of figuring out their own prey and way more focused on on that than us, for sure. But it is something to take into consideration. Um, And one of the things to to ponder about is how much we have an effect on the sharks in our ocean and and lots of the marine animals that are in our ocean. And so to that point, are sharks actually in an endangered species list? Well, there are there are quite a few that are endangered. Um, it goes, you know, it runs it runs the gamut for sure. That's definitely something to kind of take upon yourself and do a little bit of research on because there are some that are way more overfished than others, you know, across the world. Um, people fish them for their a lot of different types for their fins, but then they also just end up being bycatch. So there's lots of different kinds that are endangered, but there are a few that are just so prevalent that you know, there, there's enough of them where they're not endangered. So I'm curious about them being fished for their fins. Why that? Well, in some, in some societies, they are considered a delicacy. There are, there are people that actually do fish um, for sharks for food. Um, so that's, that's a whole different gamut, you know, that I'm not as familiar with, sure. but it is something um, that is interesting, and you know, it's kind of to each to each their own type of thing. Um, but they are, you know, it's a it's a delicate topic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> literally, yes. Well, <laughs> that just kind of uh, triggered my interest in thinking of that. But but really, you know, when we look at sharks, and this book really is so phenomenal, and I know kids are just going to. Uh, immerse themselves in it and find so much delight not the not the least of which is so many cute riddles and jokes that are in here kids just thrive on that as well as as the the scary shark yes yeah absolutely i mean i think that's the great thing about this book is that we're really trying to you know show the variety of sharks but then also just kind of bring it in in a more engaging way for kids because you know kids they have really short attention spans. They have a lot going on in their lives. And so when we're trying to teach them something, we want it to be fun um, as, as well as educational. And this book just cut, you know, basically you could open to any spread and just kind of start reading and have some fun with sharks. Um, so that was kind of our goal with it. And I just love the variety of sharks that are in here. You know, it's kind of, you just get to see all the different facets and all the different things that these sharks are, are, have evolved to become. Um, you know, they've been on the earth for over 400 million years. And if you can imagine, if you're on the earth for that long, you've evolved to have some pretty awesome superpowers. Um, I like to think of sharks as kind of being the closest 
uh, you know, idea of a superhero that we have just because they have things that they can do that we can't do as humans. Um, so just looking through this book, you just get to see so many different sharks and they all have different little facets and little powers and little things that make them so special and unique. So I think kids will really enjoy just turning the page and popping in on a shark and seeing what they can do. And it, it's so colorful. It's so vibrant. And my husband, in, in kind of scanning through it, he said, these are ugly. And I said, oh, can you really call them ugly? And so he covered up a page and showed one. And I said, yeah, I guess that's a little bit on that edge. And then he moved his hand and it was like, okay, well, maybe. But but in their own right, you know, this is what they've evolved to. Oh, my gosh. And you know what? I would say that the ugliest ones are the coolest. <laughs> um, there's one called the Tasseled Wobgong, which is in the book um, on a couple of pages. And it's just this ugly-looking flat shark that looks like a rug, you know, but it uses it as camouflage against the bottom of the ocean floor. And so it also has these little tassels that kind of look like coral. So it uses that as camouflage as well. So when prey just kind of, you know, unknowingly floats right above it, it'll sneak up and just snatch it up out of the sand. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a really cool shark. It's really weird looking, but you know, with the, with weird also comes a story usually. <laughs> right. And, and that's the thing that is so wonderful about this book and about getting that kind of information, science, uh, biology into the hands and the ideas of our uh, young people kids, you know, that they have this opportunity to learn in a fun way and who knows, you know, what kind of future that brings to them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I kind of, I, I grew up, you know, not really knowing too much about sharks. You know, I would, I would hear things on the, you know, hear things on TV occasionally of maybe something here and there, but I really wish that I had known much more about sharks. Like I wish I had this book when I was a kid, because I think, you know, obviously I love writing and I love researching and I love the opportunities that have come my way to work on the type of projects I work on. But man, when you can really dive in and get to know a creature as versatile as a shark and all of the different species that come along with it, it's just so special because you're learning something that not a lot of people know about, but also just becoming so knowledgeable about one of the coolest creatures on our planet that has been here longer than us been here longer than the dinosaurs. A lot of people like to say they were here with, before trees. <laughs> you know, this is really a superstar of our planet. So if kids can get involved and like this book and start reading about sharks at a young age, I really think that it could do some benefit for their future and the interest that they're going to have, for sure. Right. All the way from, of course, it possibly being some form of career, but at the very least, but this is maybe the most, is to really have that respect of nature, of our planet, of the oceans and all that they hold. Oh, oh, for sure. You know, there's, you know, I think that the ocean is, it's definitely, you know, we've all got our eye on the ocean right now because there's so much happening, you know, from the overfishing, but then also the high, high rates of pollution and, and how that's affecting animals in the ocean. Um, and also, you know, sharks are just, they're these cool creatures that actually really do help with the cycle of the ocean and our whole earth. You know, if we didn't have sharks, they're an apex predator. They're helping kind of maintain that food chain down there. But they're also big protectors of, you know, seagrass, 
which is a big holder of carbon for us. And if they, if we didn't have things protecting the seagrass, things would eat it, and then carbon would go up into the atmosphere. And then we'd have more warming happening on our planet. You know, there's little things like that where you can really just see that it's not just about, you know, the ocean. It's about the bigger, the bigger picture of our whole planet. And I think that's what's so neat about being able to appreciate them, too, and making sure that we protect them. So that, what you said about the seagrass is Mm -hmm. so critical. You know, sometimes we do get news stories about it becoming prolific in certain areas. And so it is, of course, dangerous. But the sharks, there are certain species that really like to eat that. That's their food. They actually don't eat it. No, they actually feed on other animals that like to eat it. So basically, (sighs) so sea turtles, for example, they like to eat seagrass. But the sharks... Since they're in there trying to, you know, they're trying to find the sea turtles to eat, they just happen to be in the seagrass because they know that sea turtles like to eat the seagrass. And so because the sea turtles are a little bit scared of the sharks, they won't go in there and eat the seagrass as much. They spread out their eating instead of condensing it into one area. Because if you condense your eating into one area, then you would, you know, deplete all the seagrass and these big pockets of carbon would go up. So we actually want the seagrass to stay as it is to keep that carbon in because and because it hold, it holds it in it doesn't release it um, and actually sharks too hold a lot of carbon um, which is why you know sometimes going back to that overfishing can be a little bit of a problem because if we don't have as many sharks or big animals in our ocean that's also you know that's a big vessel of holding carbon that's no longer there so again kind of adding to that that warming uh, sensation. Exactly. And that's, again, the reason for a a book so wonderful as this, Can't Get Enough Shark Stuff, to learn about the ecosystem and how this balance of nature is really so precarious, but in in another sense, just so well orchestrated and why all parts of it are so important. Oh, yes, absolutely. It's it's, it's a wonder to watch. It is. And it's a wonder to learn about. And I just hope that kids, you know, pick this book up and they just get excited about what they're reading and get excited to go out and do their part. You know, there's lots of things, you know, just simple ways of obviously, you know, we've all talked about just trying to reduce our plastic intake, but also just finding really cool programs in your local area that might be contributing to, you know, certain organizations that are helping protect sharks. Or if you live in a coastal area, there are big you know, um, there are big volunteer days where you can clean up your coastal areas. Um, there's just all, all sorts of ways to get involved. Um, and then just spreading your love, you know, your love for, for sharks always helps kind of get that word out. But this book will definitely inspire um, some kids to get out there and do some cool things. We have some shark specialists that we've also interviewed in the book, and it's just so cool to see their pure love for what they do. And and as we were speaking about how there's over 500 species of sharks, these shark specialists, you know, usually choose just one type of shark and one specificity to focus on. And I think that's pretty incredible. They really become specialists on one type of shark in all of their facets. And so we try to cover that in here, too, where you can get to know all of these sharks, but it can be really special to really, you know, um, give your time to one in particular to make sure that it thrives. And and that then becomes a bit mind-boggling, thinking 
about so many and they focus on one and that there's so much to learn about that one that it consumes their life. Absolutely. It sure does. I mean, what a cool way to have your life consumed. (laughs) Um, But, you know, maybe one of the safer sides of that is, um, you know, when we think of paleontology, a lot of people think mostly about dinosaurs. But, you know, uh, the paleontology obviously covers a lot of the fossil record. And so we do have a... um, a paleontologist in here that specifically focuses on shark fossils, which is really cool. And we have an exciting story in here about her finding her first megalodon tooth, um, which is really cool. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen a megalodon tooth, but they can essentially be the size of your whole hand. Um, uh, Megalodons are just a whole nother creature, you know, from the past. They lived about 20, 20 million years ago, 40 million years ago. Um, and they were ginormous. They are so cool. So that's kind of neat because she doesn't actually work directly with, you know, live sharks now. She's all about digging and finding, you know, those teeth and those fossils that can help, you know, her understand this giant creature of the past and other sharks of the past, which can be very difficult, actually, because as, as you may know, sharks are made of cartilage, not bone, which makes it very, very difficult to understand and find fossils. Usually it's just teeth that we're trying to work from. Um, but, but yeah, so she's got a very exciting but hard, hard job for sure, trying to figure out all of those awesome sharks that used to live millions and millions of years ago. And we're still learning a lot and still finding a lot of new information about ancient sharks. And that... I found to be so fascinating because, of course, we're familiar with dinosaurs. We're all familiar in the in terms of doing the the research and unearthing the bones. But I didn't think of it in terms of sharks. And then when it said dating them back by their teeth, and before reading it all, I thought, well, teeth. I know how do you judge that? But as you said, when it's the size of a human hand. That's a mighty large tooth and a lot to go on. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think when you find a megalon, megalodon tooth, it's, it's pretty obvious. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously teeth are just such a cool part of when you go to the beach. You know, I, I actually went down to, there's a beach in Florida called Venice Beach um, a year or two ago, and it's a big beach for people to go to to try and find shark teeth. It's really well known for that. People are there with like sifting through the sand and trying to find shark teeth. Um, but their shark teeth are also just so vast and so different. Every shark has a different jaw, has different things going on, you know, from, you know, great whites have just like over 20 rows of teeth in their mouth and over 300 teeth. And when they lose a tooth, they can push a tooth forward so that they always have their front teeth. It's just, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, I think that might be the favorite thing for, for kids and for most people when they talk about sharks, right, is their teeth. <laughs> And they're amazing jaws. Well, yes, those teeth are, well, aside from being seven inches for those ancient sharks, but still, they're they're still very huge and very sharp, obviously. Yes, there's this shark called the cookie cutter shark, which is featured in the book as well. And it has this, it's a small shark. It grows to only like a foot and a half, but it has this perfectly round jaw and it basically cuts like a perfect cookie cutter shape out of um, like they'll find sharks that have this 
perfect little circle cut out of them. And for a while, it was very mysterious. Scientists didn't know what was happening. And then they found the cookie cutter shark. And it just has this perfect round jaw that can cut out these perfect little circles out of things. Um, they've also been known to be a nuisance um, with some some boats and different equipment, too. So uh, people have actually made some repellent to, to keep them away from their things because they're, they might be small sharks, but they have a powerful bite. So that's, I mean, that's just one small shark. I mean, obviously, you can work your way all the way up to the big sharks. <laughs> right. And if one can do that much damage, the smaller one. But still, you know, it's always important to remember the role that they have in this whole ecosystem, you know, the whole story of of life on the planet, and to respect that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, just going back to the apex predator, you know, we can't live without apex predators. They rule our environments, our habitats, and our ecosystems. You know, and so if sharks were to disappear, we would be living in a very, very different world. You know, it would start having an effect on all sorts of different things. So we definitely want to keep that balance in line. And yes, sharks might be scary, but again, you know, you're, the, the possibility of you encountering one is so, so, so small. And I would say, you know, a lot of sharks are, are so small that you're not going to come across them. So I think we need to be friends with sharks. <laughs> friends with sharks for sure. So thinking of other interesting factoids about sharks, what is the story with their third eyelid? Ah, oh, my gosh. You know, I think eyes are one of those things that people just don't talk about a lot with sharks, but they're so interesting. So, yeah, so some of the sharks have this third eyelid. Um, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. It's called a nictating membrane. Um, and it is actually this clear eyelid that can come down over their eyes and they can still see through it when they're attacking prey. So it, atta- it still protects their eyes, but they can see through it so that they can still do what they need to do, which is incredible. Um, and then on top of that, you know, there are other sharks that have other weird eye things, like the great white has, you know, they don't have that third eyelid. But what they do instead to protect their eyes is that they'll roll their eyes in the back of their heads so that they're protected, which is crazy because you think, how can this shark be hunting and attacking prey when its eyes are rolled in the back of its head? But that's how you know the, the other senses of the shark are so strong. Other things kick in, and it knows to roll its eyes back in its head at the very right moment, right before it strikes. So it knows what it, it, it knows what it's doing, for sure. Um, and then I think one of the other cool eye, eye things that's going on with sharks is the whale shark. The whale shark actually has hundreds of little, I guess you could check, you can kind of call them teeth, but they're teeth-like um, scales. They're called denticles, and they have hundreds of them that are on their eyes that kind of create this armor over them. So, yes, they can still see through them, but they are heavily protected, um, which is just, you know, amazing. So all these different facets and things going on with eyes to make sure that they're protected, I think just goes to show how important sight is for sharks um, of one of their many cool senses. It's just, you know, they've evolved to these wonderful, wonderful, cool things. Yes, there's so much to learn. No, no wonder kids and scientists as well. So here we have kids, scientists, yes, both just so <laughs> fascinated and, and uh, researching and learning about sharks. Yes, absolutely. You know, I don't think... 
I guess one more thing I can mention about the eyesight, I don't think we can get away um, with this conversation without mentioning the hammerhead. You know, the hammerhead, the great hammerhead has um, a 360 view of of sight, which is pretty incredible. Um, And it has this funny little dance move that it does to make sure that its fields of vision kind of overlap. It'll sway its head kind of back and forth to kind of help it give, give it that 360 view, which I think is really neat. I mean, I would, I would like to walk through the world with a 360 view. It'd probably be pretty freaky at first, but <laughs> I, I think it'd be pretty neat after a while. Oh, yeah. I'm sure kids would think that was really phenomenal. There, There's a superpower for you. I know, right? <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, yes. So a curious thing that came to mind in terms of sharks because of the vast number that there are and the, you know, the sizes of them, do they ever prey upon each other? Oh, goodness. Yes, <laughs> they sure do. Um, you know, it's interesting because there's the larger sharks. There's tiger sharks, bull sharks, um, the great whites. Um, they tend to feed on some of the smaller sharks, um, especially, you know, there are some sharks, like the whale shark actually does give birth to live um, to live young, which is kind of unique. You know, you have some sharks that have that give birth to live young and then some that give um, that that have eggs, um, but whale sharks, you know, it's kind of interesting because a lot of different types of sharks will go after their young when they're born. So it's it's kind of sad because some whale sharks, you know, it's very it's kind of rare for whale sharks to kind of reach adulthood. Um, we we have plenty of them, but yeah, a lot of the a lot of the younger ones do end up getting eaten by other uh, sharks, um, which is which is sad, but yeah, but like I said too, it's like we have lots of smaller sharks out there um, that just kind of, you know, they float around like other little fish just doing their thing and these big predator sharks come by and, you know, they need to eat. So yeah, it does happen. (laughs) And, you know, and actually the thing which probably most people may be aware of or not with that they swim with their mouths wide open so that they catch a lot of plankton and small fish as they go along, right? Oh, yes, yes. The whale shark does that. They are one of the filter feeders, which is, you know, pretty incredible knowing that they are the largest shark and the largest fish in the ocean, um, that they eat the tiniest food, you know, and they, they've actually never killed a human, which is, you know, helpful in our, our shark's dangerous <laughs> conversation as well. Um, but also there's this cool shark called the basking shark, which is also um, a very large shark. It might be the second largest shark um, next to the, the whale shark. But that shark swims constantly with its mouth open. It, it's kind of laughable looking at pictures of it because it just kind of looks like it's swimming and yawning <laughs> the whole time. And the whole inside of their mouth, just like you can just see everything inside. It's, the pictures of them are incredible. But they also... They're filter feeders as well. They 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 just swim and filter out the water and keep in all the food that they want. You know, plankton, krill, little baby shrimp, those types of things. Oh, it's it's really very fascinating. You must have had a great deal of fun working on this and and bringing it to this place of it being a book available for kids of all ages. Oh, absolutely. I mean, talk about getting yourself into a a rabbit hole. (laughs) It was such a fun research topic. I mean, you know, I knew I've I've written other books with National Geographic before. I've written 
some of their fun fact books where we just cover all sorts of topics. So I had worked with sharks, you know, worked on sharks before and studied them. But to this capacity was just a whole new level. And, you know, my poor husband had to hear me every single day. Be like, did you know this about this shark? Uh, did you know this? Um, so, you know, I think he was pretty happy when I was done with the book. But I had such a great time because, you know, I'm still learning stuff about these sharks. And I think the cool thing is, is that they're still finding new sharks out there. Wow. You know, there was a recent one, I think, within the last decade that's really cool called the American Pocket Shark. And it, it's a smaller shark that excretes this, you know, sounds kind of gross, but it excretes this goo that glows. And so it can distract prey and kind of like lure prey in, thinking that, you know, the glowing goo is food. But they don't notice the shark, you know, luring behind them. And so the shark comes in and gets them right before they get the goo. So it's really exciting to just know that new sharks are being discovered and new superpowers of sharks are being discovered as well. So I really hope that kids have a great time with this book. I know I did, and I hope that that shows on the page. And of course, I worked on this book. We actually had another writer on this book as well who couldn't join in on the interviews. Her name is Andrea Colleen. And she's a wonderful writer as well, a wonderful researcher. And we both had such a great time bouncing ideas off of each other and putting up the research. Well, there's no question, I feel, Kelly, that this book is such a gift to all of us. And definitely thinking of it as a gift for all our kids, they are sure to not only delight and have fun, but in the process, learn so much. So there's a, a double side to that, which is wonderful. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I think that's that's just the best way to go throughout this life, you know, is to, to constantly be learning, to never give up on that, because it's just life is so exciting. And when you have exciting things like sharks happening on Earth, <laughs> you know, you can't turn away. You got to keep reading about them. They're just the neatest thing. So, yeah, I agree. And I really hope that kids enjoy it. Well, I congratulate you and your co-author on really doing such a magnificent work with this book and showing us so much more about sharks. And so uh, as time wraps up, I still would like to have you share your website with us so that people can find out more information about you and all the work that you're doing. Oh, sure. Yes. Um, People can go to www.kellyheartgrave.com to learn more about me and the work that I've done. And, you know, my email is also on there. And I'm also on Instagram at Kelly. Uh, under Dash Hargrave. So, you know, feel free to, to check me out and send me a message. I'm always happy to discuss and, you know, say hi. Wonderful. Well, Kelly Hargrave, I just so enjoy this time that we've had together. Thank you for being so enthusiastic about nature and <laughs> life on this planet and taking time with us this morning. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This was a great talk. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Kelly Hargrave and Sunday Morning Magazine with Dr. Masai Kawamura and John French. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. 
I now wish you and your family a day of good health with good adventures. Have a week of the same and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.